one of the things we're figuring out about planting here on Veg Hill is that you want to get your plants vertically as much as possible to use the sun as well as you can. And for us, that means trellises. Lots and lots of trellises. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of August 19, 2010. You're right about the trellises, and I know you've been hard at work with T-posts and goat fence uh, erecting trellises for us, but it's really paid off. Um, and, and I never realized how much until I saw um, how tangled up the lima bean um, little tendrils had become. You know, there, there had been a lot of growth among the lima beans that I planted in the early summer and the purple hull peas that I had planted more recently than that. Okay. Um, but they, so let's take those one at a time. They needed the lima trellising. beans, um, how long did they grow before we got that trellis up? Like I said, I think it was early summer. That was a couple probably, of months. Now. Yeah, it's been at least since early June. And what you discovered is once you let them grow that much without trellises, you end up with a tangled mass where you really want your right. plant to be. Yes, I spent a lot of time, and it took more patience than I normally have to give to gingerly untangle all those and then mount them on the trellises that you had put up for me. So we've got a little bullet point later on about what we've learned. We'll skip to that on this one and say we've learned you want to go ahead and get the trellis in early so that you l let the plants find it as at the early stage yes, of their growth. Yes. We actually did that pretty well back with our black-eyed peas. They've done very That's well. That's true. They're beginning to peter out a little bit now and having some bug damage, but they were beautiful and good producers for a while. So um, I, I think we that was a good model for us to follow. All right. And, and now we're doing the right thing. And let's talk a little bit about those black-eyed peas because one of the things I think I've learned, and I don't know whether you agree with me on this, is that this system we had of a wire with strings going down from the wire is really labor-intensive. Right. And the hog wire seems to be working a little better. You call it goat fence, but I call it hog, hog wire. Hog wire. Sorry about that. Um, but it looks a little like what they use to fence goats. It in, does. So. <laughs> you're right. But it's they call it field fence if you're shopping for it online or at your hardware store. Uh, it's maybe 40 four inches tall and it's the the gauge is it's all galvanized wire and something like 12 and a half gauge so it's it's pretty hefty and what we've learned is that's by far the easiest way to get a good serviceable trellis really fast you put a t-post at one end you put a t-post at the other and you stretch a, a length of goat uh, of hog wire. Now you got me calling goat fence. <laughs> you stretch a length of hog wire between the two, and presto, you've got a trellis. Yeah. Um, and that has worked pretty well and pretty smoothly. What we've learned is that any time we need to run for more than about 15 feet, we need to add another T post to give it some support. Mm -hmm. Right. And that seems to be working well. And all we do is just tie the 
um, hog wire to the T-post with some lightweight wire that we keep around here. Um, yeah, and that's been good. Uh, the um, I mentioned about the purple hull peas. They were not in quite as much of a tangled mess as the lima beans, but they too had just put on a lot of growth and had some nice, strong um, tendrils reaching out. So they were much happier, and they've been producing very well for Our me. purple hull peas are doing great. And I noticed you down there continuing to work. You said they were less tangled than the lima beans, and they were, but it still took a lot of your time to work them out it as well. It did. I will, to be fair... They weren't as tangled, but there are a lot more of them. I sure. have a lot more purple and you've hull got, peas. Uh, unlike the lima beans, which are still a sort of a wish or a vision, the purple hull peas are producing peas, so we yes. want to make sure that we take we good care them of them. want them to be happy. That's right. And um, the tomatoes have been trellised. Now, you did. You used, I think you've talked about this before on other podcasts, that, that you're not using the hog wire on those. It's more Correct. of a PVC pipe, kind of a TP arrangement. Uh, the problem with the t- the only problem with the tomatoes is that they've been attacked by well there are several problems That's right. <laughs> they've been attacked by how do we begin to describe worms. all the problems I with still, the tomatoes yeah I still pull hornworms off on a regular basis and unfortunately one of those horrible creatures ate the branches off two of my beloved Cherokee purples and I should confess to you that uh, one of the things I did while you were in Montgomery with mama is take two of those tomato plants out of my misery I just cut them off at the ground because they were all ate up not Cherokee purples but other yeah yeah some of them yeah there were some that the hornworms had just before we ever knew to look for hornworms were just decimated so uh, you did the right thing but uh, but one of the Cherokee purples I know uh, is growing in a spindly enough fashion that I think it needs a, it needs a. So we'll support. be adding yeah. that. Yeah. And what we're doing with these isolated tomatoes is just putting a little PVC post in place and tying the tomato to the post, and that seems to be working. Yeah. Okay. That's working okay. Um, we just the only problem is we don't have tomatoes. I will say we had our very first and only so far Cherokee purple tomato. It was very small. Um, and actually, I had tasted a successful Cherokee purple yeah. tomato at um, Petals from the Past last week. We went to um, met with we actually met Jason Powell, a great guy who owns the place, and they um, one of his neighboring um, gardeners who supplies some of their you know who's, they, she sells produce out of his um, office there. She is completely organic and. Um, produces Cherokee purple, and I think golden was another type of variety And we had a chance to taste hers and decide, I decided at least, I preferred the golden to the Cherokee purple. But I like the Cherokee purple, and Jason said it actually was the winner. The Cherokee purple was the winner of the tomato tasting contest Mm. that they had had um, at Petals from the Past. So I like them both, and and in the future, of course, I would love to plant both of those varieties, and and I certainly want more success than I've had with my tomatoes this year. But I say that to say that I I kind of got to know what a Cherokee purple is supposed to taste like. And ours, unfortunately, it was small and it had developed kind of a bad spot on it, so I harvested it early. But it still had that little hint of Cherokee purple to it. Yeah, so it was I, very tasty. Yeah, so Just I'm hopeful. We didn't have much to enjoy. Yeah, I'm hopeful for the future. Once we learn how to have better soil yeah. and, and maybe pick hornworms earlier. Continuing on our theme of trellises, we have the green beans on a trellis, and they've petered out at least for now, 
but we're not cutting them down yet because we're still hopeful we'll get something in the yeah. as the weather cools off. That's right. They're still living. They still have flower. You know, they're continuing to flower. So I'm I'm maybe I'm naive, but at least since I don't know any differently, I'm just going to leave them there and see what happens. All right. And one of the things that we've just added is a little trellis for the blackberries. Right. I uh, used our, you know, T-post at one end or the other and one T-post in the middle and stretched some um, hog wire between the, those three. I guess the only difference with the blackberries is that unlike everything else we've done, we expect that trellis to stay there indefinitely. Yes, yes, we do. And um, so we may pretty it up a little bit. Right. Over time. If we need to. Well, the other trellis that we expect to stay indefinitely is the muscadine trellis. You want to talk a little bit about what you did there? Well, as you, you know, we put a lot of strength into that muscadine trellis because we knew that the muscadines would be heavy. We but, hope. <laughs> but that's right. We hope. We, we should be so lucky as to have heavy muscadines. So um, what we've done is use six by six posts set either in concrete or in uh, clay and use aircraft cable stretched between the the uh, six by six posts. But after we went to pedals from the past and we saw the way they're doing theirs and we saw how heavy those muscadines get when they're really bearing well, yes. I'm now having second thoughts and what you and I have agreed to do is come back and sort of retrofit those trellises so that we have dead men, a dead man on each end. And I've got to add that now. It's a shame I should have added it when we first built the trellis, but I thought what I was putting up was enough. And what I figured out is the longer we wait to do the retrofitting, the more disruptive it's going to be to our plant. So that's right. We're the muscadines that are already growing there. Yeah, yeah, already growing there, already have found the trellis and already wound themselves around it. We're going to have to cut those little tendrils off and move the trellis and then reintroduce the vines to them. Right. I see you wincing when I say that. I was hoping we could just unfurl them and unfurl them, refurl them. I'll let you look at it. I, I, I would welcome your trying to do that, but when they decide they like something, they wind their little tendril around it about six times. So it's hard for me to see how you'd be able to unfurl right. it. We'll look at it. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome to try. I don't think it'll hurt to try doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else we've learned about trellising before we move on? I think, you know, you, you hit the, the main point, which is to do it early and often <laughs> yeah. um, to anticipate the growth of the plant and get it in before it becomes disruptive to the plant. Um, so it's better for the plant, certainly better for us, and uh, and also to group those things that are to need to be trellised closer together of the Thank annuals. You. Yes, yes. Uh, I I reached a point where I got put out with you the other day, and I said I'm just not going to do a bunch of trellis sets all over Veg Hill because each trellis is a little labor intensive. Each trellis requires some materials, and so yeah, what we want to think in terms of doing in future years is grouping together all the things that need to be trellised. So right. So, and we'll, we'll plan for that. Minimize the, the 
different trellises we're using here and there. I'll plan for that better next year. And I guess the other thing we've learned, which is sounds awfully elementary, is yes, do it. Use trellises. They do help because you get the, the you get up off the ground, and that's probably better for bugs, but it certainly is better for using the light. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. Yeah, you know, we had read, we had intended to try to trellis those cucumbers this year, and we didn't yeah. do it. There's nothing to trellis. I mean, the cucumbers. Right. They, well, they've, I've gotten some cucumbers, but I would like to try that next year and okay. put the cucumbers on the same line with those other trellised uh-huh. um, that's fine with me. veg to see how they work. Yeah, that's true. We did talk about doing that, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And we and never then, really... Well, then you can plant it. them closer together yeah. and, and garden more intensively. So, Well, I'm about to bring up air conditioning, but as I do, I see the cool morning breeze whistling through your hair. It's, it feels very It's pretty nice right this morning for, a, for an August muggy day. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we have struggled with the heat and the humidity, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been bad. And we've, of course, we've talked about the fact that we didn't want to use air conditioning, but with the humidity problems we've had, I'm fine, you know, have, have fought the mildew. We've talked about that in earlier podcasts, um, that sometimes we just have to break down and turn it on. But because it's such a small space, it cools it off very quickly. It does. And our pattern that we've developed over time, and we'll, you know, this is subject to adjustment, is we stay open all morning. And then when we come in for lunch. Normally, we're going to close up the envelope, turn on the air conditioner and the dehumidifier at the same time. And within about 30 minutes or so, it's quite comfortable in here. Um, and then we can normally turn them off within an hour or so, and that gets us through the day. So we're really running the, a window air conditioner unit and a dehumidifier for about an hour. And that's it. So I feel okay about that. That's not what we had originally expected we would be doing, but it's working well, and I don't feel too nervous about that power consumption. No, and and this has been an unusually hot and humid summer, and we've had a long stretch of it. Uh, My mother and I were just talking about this yesterday, that we're just a few days short of setting a record for the the length of the heat wave. I said, you know, that's kind of a dubious record. I don't really want to be a part of that. But, but, you know, we might as well. Um, So it's, it's been unusual, and I would like to think that other summers, of course, climate change experts would tell us differently. They'd say it's going to get worse. Um, but, you know, I, I do hope we have some summers here and there that aren't quite this brutal. I hope so, we'll too. We'll see. Because last summer wasn't. It really wasn't. Last summer was much wetter than this right. one and not as hot. Right. You're right. So, uh, but it's been, all the sunshine we've had has been great for using the clothesline and drying clothes and uh, using the sun oven. So there are some advantages to the sun. Yeah. Uh, We're basically finished up with the reorganization in the storage room and the shop. That's gone smoothly. Yes, it looks a lot better. It's a lot more functional. I can actually find my stuff a whole lot more easily and i I assume you can, too. I can find my stuff a lot more easily. However, I pointed out to you the other day a little problem I'm having. We used to have stuff just spread out and strewn here and there. But if I needed to find something, I sort of knew where it was. Well, now I've gathered up all those loose items and I put them in a bin. Which bin? 
I can't remember which <laughs> bin. <laughs> you need to catalog them. You need to have a, a so, filing system. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll get used to it. And, it, yeah. and I do um, feel real good about the fact that we've gotten everything straightened up. And, boy, the, both the storage room and the shop just look a million dollars better. They're just... Yeah, and, and one of the perks was you actually found a couple of books that we had been it had been missing in action for a while. Yes. We said, where the was that? Books you had been berating me for not having found. Because you it. packed them up about three months before we moved, and then you couldn't remember <laughs> where they were. So and that was, was the only reason I berated relief. you. I, yeah. I remember running out on the porch. You were down on Veg Hill, and I said, looky what I found. Looky what I found. And I was proud that we had been able to it's, find it. And move it into the bookcase we now have in our living space. Yes, we actually have the, it was the bookcase that was in your office that you. Which is in the shop. Yeah, that was in the shop. It was in your office in Birmingham, and then you moved it to the shop. And, you know, it's not fancy, but it, it's, it will hold what we need in here. So we had a little good. rudimentary bookcase in, over in your corner, but now we have an honest-to-goodness bookcase with extra room on it so we can put even more books on I it know, as they so it's great. become available, which is great. We've got all our garden books, all of our you know farming and sustainable living books and so forth. And um, roughly 86 Bibles of various kinds. I don't know how we ended up with so many Bibles, but we got a, boy, we are well fixed for Bibles. That's right. Different translations, uh, et cetera. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what your, your other work this week. You provided some drip irrigation for my uh, flower beds outside. That's I was real nice. proud that we had figured out how to do that. We've been schlepping hoses on all of these flower beds and still have some hose slipping to do. Um, but what we've eliminated is the need to do any special hose watering for the west bed. And soon we have everything in place now to have to eliminate the need for it on a microclimate bed. The only reason we haven't already eliminated is that we decided to wait until after the summer growing season just because it's such a tangled web in there. It right is now. well. The main reason is because the lantana is going crazy, and and of course we love it because it attracts so many butterflies. One of our friends visited here last week, and he walked out and looked at that, and he said, "You, it's like Callaway Gardens. You have your own butterfly garden." And he's right. He's right. There is always a convention of butterflies out there, not to mention hummingbirds and bumblebees. Oh, yes. We've had some lovely hummingbirds who've taken to our salvia and, well, just about everything we have out there, the lantana, the cosmos. But what I was pointing out to you about the fall, for one thing, I'm not, it's not an emergency on that microclimate bed because I already have uh, a drip, not a drip hose, a, a soaker hose in place. And it's not going anywhere, and I can easily hit, hook it up. But um, the lantana is going crazy, and I think when we can cut it back, it'll be much easier to see what we're doing. So we'll wait till fall, and we'll tell you all about that then. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be a simple matter to attach those drip lines to the header. The header's in place now. So it's just a matter of tapping into the header and running those drip right. lines. And we can do that in the fall or maybe the winter. Sure, no hurry. cut back everything yeah. in that microclimate. That's bed. true. That's true. Well, very quickly before we go, uh, would you like to talk about our what we're doing to prepare for the fall garden as far as weed killing? Well, what we've done, we purchased a roll of, I um, can't remember how thick, I want to say 8 mil plastic. It was fairly thick stuff. And we've spread it out on the aisle and the row and the adjacent aisle so that it 
basically solarizes that whole area. That that one what we've we've selected one row, row six. long row, um, in which to plant the fall stuff. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. And you might point out that's clear plastic that you yes, put down. It is semi clear. It's semi -clear. Really sort of cloudy. Right. But but it is it's not it's black not black or, or something, something like yeah. That. And we've just spread it out and left it there and have ended up leaving it there for several days to make sure that we are able to kill most of the vegetation. But it's been effective because what we've done is we've taken one section when it's done its work, then we move it up the hill to the next section. To the next section. And it's on the That's last right. section right now. But That's right. It's and been you talked to me about putting it back down to the bottom and using that cardboard elsewhere. You don't want to do that. That cardboard is already rotting now, which Ooh, is good. Which is good, yeah. Yeah, We on one little section, we just put some cardboard down, and, of course, it will eventually just, it'll kill the weeds and or suppress them and mm -hmm. then blend in with the soil. Yeah. So we've, we hope that our fall garden will be at a bit more of an advantage um, as far as weed control from the, from the get-go than our spring garden yes, and summer do. garden. So we'll see. Remembering that our spring garden was battling with ryegrass. Oh, yes. Days, Brings so, back yeah. bad memories. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's been a great podcast. Enjoyed talking to everybody, and we will look forward to catching up with you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.